talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to a late Tuesday Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Bear, Stephen Beams in Indianapolis. We just finished the first day of interviews at Big Ten Media Days at Lucas Oil Stadium. We're now back in our hotel rooms. And we're going to talk about Michigan primarily. And we're going to talk about Kevin Warren and what he said about the future of the Big Ten. Uh, not a lot of other super interesting teams on Tuesday. I'm actually a little surprised how they split it up because they always split up Ohio State and Michigan, but Penn State's on Wednesday, Michigan State's on Wednesday, Wisconsin's on Wednesday. It's like, okay, well, that it, like Michigan was it today. Other than that, it was a lot of Northwestern and Iowa and Minnesota and Maryland. And Nathan, that only takes you so far. So this was Jim Harbaugh's day to shine. And also maybe they wanted to clear the deck for the commish who had like six bodyguards around him when we were trying to talk to him. Maybe they wanted to give Kevin Warren his moment in the sun. There really was a lack of buzz there between like when Warren got done and when Jim Harbaugh started his remarks. So from like, what, like 11 a.m. to 4.30, 3.30, something like that. Um, yeah, I, I, I was struck by that, too. And I think tomorrow is going to be a little bit of a madhouse, even though you don't have the commissioner involved. But obviously, the, the, the Ohio State uh, contingent is sprawling, and um, they'll draw a lot of attention. And, and as you mentioned, all those other teams, I mean, it's, uh, today was um, the lesser of two days. I think the word you guys are looking for that you keep tiptoeing around is boring. It was boring. Maybe the players aren't that exciting. Like Jack Campbell was there for Iowa, and I went over to tell Jack Campbell uh, to make sure he knew that he was the Cleveland.com preseason Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. And, you know, to get him to thank us for bestowing that honor upon him. And there were like three Iowa guys over at his podium talking to him and then right like there was a lull and I was going to like say, hey, do you know that you and this other guy was like, so what does it mean to you to be the preseason defensive player of the mm-hmm. year? And he was like, uh, first of all, that guy didn't say Cleveland.com in the question, which I'm going to have to talk to him about tomorrow. But he was like, well, you know, I take it with a grain of salt. And I was like, great. It's it's a tremendous honor, Jack Campbell, grain of salt. So I just left. But um, you should have told him that the last. Well, maybe he takes it with a grain of salt because the last person who was a preseason defensive player of the year is no longer playing in the Big Ten, and it's not because he yeah, went on true. to the next level. It's because he transferred. Because Aiden Hutchinson finished sixth last year. So yeah. um, it was funny. Jim Harbaugh was talking about how you know a year ago, uh, you know, Jabo people didn't people didn't know nobody was talking about David. Ojabo. And then then the season started. It was Ojabo. Ojabo. And it was like, that is just a weird way to say that David Ojabo <laughs> was kind of unknown and then got I might wind up doing a lot of half 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 butted Jim Harbaugh impersonations today because I got the full 50 minutes of Harbaugh. And let's start with that because I do think we want to talk about the football more than we want to talk about what Kevin Warren had to say and all that stuff's important, but uh, Nathan, you are working on a story about Michigan and Ohio state players, like how it was for them, the outcome of the game last year. So I'm assuming you talked to a lot of the Michigan players about that today. Is that correct? Well, it'll be two separate pieces, kind of the Michigan perspective and then the Ohio state perspective, I think is how we'll split it up. And yeah, I talked to all, well, I didn't actually get over to McNamara because he had already kind of said his piece about it before I got there, but I talked to the other three Michigan players who were in attendance today 
And McNamara was made a, a, an interesting point that like, it, it's a very relevant question to them right now because they're on this, they're doing this sort of tour of Michigan right now as a program. Um, I don't know the full details on that, but something they've been doing. And I think this is going to wrap up after they get back and that that is sort of renewing the experience for them a little bit, that they're interacting with fans and alumni and everybody who finally got to experience that again last year. And um, the, the, Eric, all the tight end from Fairfield, he's an Ohio kid, um, called it a dream. Um, you could definitely got the sense, um, um, you know, um, Mazzy Smith, the defensive tackle, was talking about how they were having people from around campus are coming up telling them that they were crying, their parents were crying, that it, it's so for, for all of the pain that Ohio State fans uh, felt last year watching that game unfold, know that the opposite reaction was there. This wasn't any kind of cynicism, I think, from the Michigan fan base, that it was something that they sort of, they very deeply felt this, um, what for them had been once in a decade experience. Steven, I think you were there when Cade McNamara was sort of asked about some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I was standing there. Um, I know he said that this uh, should be a foundation for Michigan, that like what happened last year beat Ohio State win the big 10 championship, go to the playoff. And he said, it should be here to stay for this season. At least it is. And then he was talking about how like the culture and the mentality are so different from where it was a couple of years ago. I think from the outside and you guys talked about on a podcast a couple of weeks ago, clearly the recruiting at the moment is not going great for Michigan. Mm -hmm. And I think from the outside, it feels like they have not seized the momentum of their best season since they won the national championship 25 years ago. And it's not like these guys are going to come in and be like, yeah, no, I don't know. It's kind of just the same. Like, of course they're going to say this stuff, but I I did think, you know, it's hard at moments like at, at things like this, because you know what people are going to say. A lot of the questions that you ask, and like, I mean, sometimes you come up with a really good story idea and it's like, Hey, I really want to know what you think about this. And someone really gives you interesting insight. Sometimes it's like, Hey, what did it mean to you? to beat Ohio state last year. And nobody's going to say, eh, didn't mean that much. Of course it meant a lot. But so I do kind of Steven, I do. It sort of matters to me how they say it. And it felt like to me, sort of like how guys were saying it, it felt like, no, I think maybe they do have momentum. Like they are a different, they are encouraged by this they are they do have a new belief they do think this you know that this is the beginning of something new for Michigan you know which which of course but I don't know I I felt like a good vibe from the Michigan people I was around today yeah I don't know if I would call it momentum because he did the at least this year that part, maybe that's just him talking, but to me, that means something. And for this group, because you got to think 12 months ago, Aiden Hutchinson and um, whoever uh, whoever else was here, they all arrived here and had to hand, answer a bunch of questions about why they haven't beaten Ohio State yet. And that had seemingly been the case for every, even in Chicago. It's We're answering questions about why haven't you beat Ohio State? Probably the years before that's why haven't you beat Ohio State? They arrived here this year, and that wasn't the question. They got a chance to just 
really talk about football. And yes, the Ohio State game came up, but they got a chance to not have to carry that burden in with them into wherever Big Ten media days was at, like they were in the past, and see the annoyance that got all over their pay, their faces. So maybe it doesn't change anything going forward for Michigan, but at least for this group, for those people who are still here from for that team, and maybe the next couple of years, the immediate roster gets to walk with a little less weight and a little less burden on their shoulder. It's almost like eating candy versus eating vegetables. Like eating candy is like this instant gratification because candy is good. But if you just eat candy all the time, eventually it's going to backfire on you while vegetables aren't always the greatest, but they're good for you. So the next couple of years, cool. This instant gratification of finally getting that monkey off your back is great, even if it did nothing for the state of the program over the next decade. I'll tell you that what Michigan was eating against Ohio State for the previous decade wasn't candy and it wasn't vegetables either. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um... So we know what it was. <laughs> I, so so <laughs> one, one thing that I took away from my conversations today, though, uh, I thought was a little bit poignant was it, so you would expect that maybe Michigan could come in and just, you know, they they beat Ohio State. They win the Big Ten. They go to the playoff, like checking off all these boxes. So you think that they could come in with their chest out a little bit, and I suppose they did a little bit, but uh, undercutting all of that, not undercutting it, but within all of that, they also still lost to Michigan State, their other huge rival, and that's been a couple of years now since they beat Michigan State. And it's funny how they are now sort of wearing that around as in like, okay, well, this was the step, but now we have to beat Ohio State and Michigan State both together. And um, one of them, I can't remember now which player it was, but it might have been Eric Hall again, actually, talking about that uh, we'll probably have a drill pretty soon, the, the way that they have, you know, their Buckeye drill or whatever that they do to emulate, you know, um, the intensity of that game and, and, and preparing to play Ohio state, he thinks they'll probably have one for Michigan state too, because kind of that formula worked pretty well to get that monkey off their back. And this is something else that they feel is still a little bit deficient for them. So it is interesting because it did feel like when we were here a year ago, they did, they were talking, Michigan people were embracing the Ohio state challenge to a greater degree than they ever had before. They were starting to talk about it more in the off season and they had stuff in the weight room and all of that, you know, is that why they beat Ohio State? Because they embraced it more in the offseason? No, it's probably because Aiden Hutchinson. But they did beat Ohio State thinking that way, right? And I and someone, one of the Michigan writers brought up, asked Jim Harbaugh questions like, hey, like last year, you guys kind of weren't making much news. You were kind of hunkered down. It felt like, you know, there wasn't a lot of chatter from Michigan other than admitting, yeah, we're, we're, this game matters to us. And I feel like, you know, in previous years, they had kind of, been on the wrong side of the fence in a lot of things where I don't think they were necessarily emphasizing the Ohio state game in the right way. And then some, but some, you know, Harbaugh was doing crazy stuff or they were on a revenge tour. And it was like, they couldn't get out of their own way. A lot of stuff. And then that Michigan reporter asked like, but now, Hey, this year, again, you guys kind of aren't hunkered down because he was saying, well, you're on this Michigan tour. And Jim Harbaugh has made clear his stance that he is, um, anti-abortion and that that is something that he has chosen to do and that's not a that's not you know on either side of that he has chosen to wade into a very hot topic 
that has nothing to do with football. I mean, if you're talking about social justice or Colin Kaepernick or stuff like that, like all oh, that is like your players are doing that as football related, just that he has decided he has willingly waded into that. And he got asked about that today. And Michigan players are getting asked about that, that maybe, you know, this person was sort of suggesting maybe you're not as hunkered down. Like maybe he didn't say maybe your focus isn't the same. And Harbaugh was like, ah, I don't know. Last year was pandemic still. You couldn't do anything. So like, it's one of the, there are a lot of questions where you try to probe Jim Harbaugh. You try to get inside his brain and he's like, ah, my brain's not open for business. So a lot of that didn't work, but like, they're not replicating everything, but he said, I feel really good for the players. They're not entitled. There's no entitlement. There's no, Hey, we did that. And now, you know, we have a big head about it. So he was saying all that stuff. Of course, he's going to say that, but the general vibe is like, I just feels like Michigan's in a decent place. Right. Like like sometimes you can tell Michigan's in the wrong headspace, which is understandable. I'm sure Ohio State under Cooper was in the wrong headspace about Michigan a lot of years. Feels like their head's okay. I don't know. Like that's I don't know how you write that. But Jim Harbaugh was like, people come up to me and say, hey, you look happy. He's like, I am happy. You know, like, why why wouldn't I be happy? And then I tried to ask him a question about, like, what did it mean to you? You came back to your alma mater to sort of, you know bring Michigan back to its proper place on the national stage. And it had been a 500 program for seven years. And now seven years later, here you are and you have a big 10 championship and you went to the playoff. And he was like, Oh, you know, I, you know, I think about, you know, we're on a tour, you know, going to Muskegon, you know, go to Muskegon and there's a fish there. And you look at a fish and I don't, what do I think? of? I don't know what I think, but uh, you know, we're out there, we're seeing people and, you know, the people are out there and you see them and they're there and, you know, you're just, uh, you know, we're on the tour. It's like, okay, I'm going to stop trying to get inside your head. But Nathan, that's like the bottom line is like, okay, like if you're a Michigan fan, it's like, okay, good day. Like good day for Michigan. It's yeah. We were getting uh, some texts or at least one that I saw from a, uh, um, a listener or reader who thinks that maybe we are, um, underselling what Michigan could be this year already. So I, I think that there is still a, a healthy fear slash respect slash whatever, as much as you might still dislike Michigan, that at least in the immediate term, there is still a consideration of how good they could be and how much of a threat they could be. And if you're trying to hear things today that would make you think that they were off of that path. I agree with the kind of the, the, the way you're taking this and, and it's true. Everything. I think it's, I think both things can be true. I think it'd be very true that some of the weirdness that happened in this off season in, interrupted this recruiting cycle for them and affected this recruiting cycle for them. And it's going to hurt them in the future, but may not hurt them in 2022. I think it's interesting. I thought his, I forget, I don't know who asked it, but him saying that, they're not doing any of the stuff they did last year that led to the get to, getting to the playoff and beating Ohio State. And when Harbaugh went, well, I mean, we were in a pandemic last year. It's like, well, yeah, that makes sense. So it's like, did the pandemic not only like save Jim Harbaugh's job, but put that program in a position just because of how things were working, they were kind of forced to kind of bunker down and then think about the Ohio State rivalry in a way that maybe they wouldn't have done any of that last year had things just been normal. Maybe we wouldn't have gotten to Indianapolis last year. and They'd have been like, oh, there's signs all over the place of what have you done to beat Ohio today and the Ohio drill and all these things. But because they because college football programs were kind of cut off from the outside world, they had an opportunity to kind of look in the mirror in a way that they maybe wouldn't have. 
Now, a year ago, we were kind of coming out of the pandemic. So, like, to be like, well, there's a pandemic. It's like, well, you know, it was like, well, kind of was starting to be over. But still, like, like to, but still, to the point, it's like, even at the Ohio State spring game in 2021, there was, like, limited people. There was, like, 10,000 people. I do think when we look back, I do think it's reasonable to say the breather in 2020. Because the main thing for Michigan in 2020, they didn't beat Ohio State, but they also didn't lose to Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And then when they came back last year, they weren't answering questions about, oh, why would you lose to Ohio State against? Well, they didn't play. I do think, and Ohio State fans or some fans or some people will say, oh, Michigan bailed on that game. It's like they they used the, the pandemic as an excuse to not play. I, I don't think people did that, but you can think what you want. I do think the breather might have helped from a standpoint of like, you take a year off, you reset, you reattack it. You don't have the direct burden. Yes, the streak is still there, but you didn't lose last year. And it allowed them to not get in their own way last year. And then, by the way, they had a ton of talent last year. So the main thing mm-hmm. about this is they lost a lot of talent. And I don't know if they have an Aiden Hutchinson and a David Ojabo and a Dax Hill. And uh, they probably do have a Hassan Haskins because Donovan Edwards will have a bigger role. But, like, we get it. Like, players win games. And I think probably maybe their players aren't quite as good. But, um, but Harbaugh was very into, hey, we have a lot of guys – he was sort of making the point, we have a lot of guys who worked really hard last year, worked just as hard as Aiden Hutchinson and Hassan Haskins and all these guys, and maybe didn't get to play, but they saw how the work paid off, and now it's their time, which is great, but I don't think they're as good. So yeah. is, is, mm-hmm. the, is the guy behind Aiden Hutchinson as good as Aiden Hutchinson? He learned because he was like, oh, you know, hey, you know, Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson, that that guy probably should be full of himself. You know, he's he could be a male model. Aiden Hutchinson. So you look at Aiden Hutchinson and you say, ah, oh, what that guy did. I want to do, I want to do what that guy did. You know, and so like that whole and that he had made two male model references. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say we're gonna tell a story about that. I, I, that's the biggest takeaway I I had was him talking about Dolce and Gabbana models. Yeah. In uh, overseas, my daughter has a. It's one of those TikToks, and you know she's TikToking, and this. No, I'm not gonna do the whole podcast in Jim Harbaugh's voice don't. because there's four thousand pauses and everything. But he was telling a story of like they were somewhere. There were male Dolce and Gabbana models there. Jim Harbaugh was like male models and his kids were like dear god shut up dad and then instead of shutting up he like went over the male models and said would you come over to my table and take pictures with my daughters and the daughters were like we're dying of embarrassment we hate you why did you do this to us and then they like posed with the models and put it on their instagram feed it was the greatest thing that ever happened to them so from a dad that was a great dad story like you you're embarrassing your children so you lean in you embarrass them more for a reason that is good for them that they hate but then embrace. That was like the most relatable Jim Harbaugh moment that I've ever had in my life because uh, that's being a dad, especially of girls. So um, anyway, that's the Harbaugh thing, except for the last thing that we get to talk about. Well, and, and, and I, I want to, I want to stick on the subject just for a second, because one of the things he did, this is an actual quote, not an impression of, of Jim Do it. Harbaugh. Where he said, yeah. Male models. It has nothing to do with male models, I don't think. But he was specifically asked about what they're losing on defense. I thought he gave answers that were um, that were candid at a couple times today, but this one I thought was not, where he starts going into coach speak about, well, I've been a part of many teams where there was a no-star defense, where, mm-hmm. where the no-star defense was the better defense. And I'm like, 
No, you haven't. No, no, I don't think <laughs> I don't know if I think that's true. Um, and I've got a sneaky suspicion we'll be even better on defense. So Jim Harbaugh saying they'll be better on defense without David Ajabo and Aiden Hutchinson and Dax Hill. Yeah, top three first round picks. Let's see I'm, if I can do this. Yeah, I, I'm skeptical. I, that was very coach. That was very coach speaking. Yeah. Four score and, you know, seven years ago, you know, our fathers, you know, that brought forth on this continent. It was like, that would be, that would be Jim Harbaugh doing the Gettysburg Address, which again, I, it's like the shortest, greatest speech ever. And I could make it last 25 minutes with all the Jim Harbaugh pauses in it. So I asked him at the end, I buttered him up. There weren't like people are not dying to ask him questions. I don't know. I was standing next to the, the Michigan SID. I kept raising my hand. He knows who I am. He knows, he knows I've had confrontations with Jim Harbaugh at Big Ten Media Days at least twice before. It's not like who's this guy over here? I'm old. And I kept raising my hand and kept calling on me. It's like I don't want to cut off Michigan reporters, but I probably asked six questions in 50 minutes. But then I, I asked all kinds of stuff about what it means to you and building a foundation, all that kind of stuff. But I was saving the thing for the end because somebody had to ask it. I don't, Nathan, did that question, did the question I asked at the end, did it need it to be asked or was it like a bonus question to be asked? Or should it have been asked at some point today? I thought the very last question you asked, yes, I'm glad somebody asked it. Uh, asking him, so you asked him, um, what is your relationship like with Ryan Day? which is a question that he can give an untruthful answer to and we wouldn't necessarily know. And then you asked when you said um, about being um, people on third thinking or people born on third base thinking they hit a triple, were you talking about Ryan Day? And then now that's that's a yes or no answer, which he decided right. to give the third option to, which was no comment, which is yes. I think – the your relationship with Ryan Day is a good lead into that, which is probably what you were doing at that point. Um, yes, it needed to be asked because not only has he said that, but other people on his staff over the last six months have digged that Ohio State as well. So they've had their fun. So, yeah. Well, listen, your point, too, was that it's going to come up again. This is going to yeah. be something people write about in November. So let's get it on the record now before it lingers on that long and people mm-hmm. are starting to say, well, maybe he was talking about Ryan Day. Maybe he yeah. was. You know. And I just will say, I'm going to toot my own horn here for a second. I waited the whole news conference, the whole news conference. Anybody could have asked about that at any point, Ohio State writer or otherwise. And is it the number one issue? No, it is not the number one issue. But we covered kind of all the number one issues. And there were a lot of other things that were asked. Nobody ever asked that stuff. Nobody asked it. People are afraid, man. So like, I'm not, I'm not like, I don't want to always be the guy who has to get in a fight with everybody, but it was the last question of a 40 question news conference and nobody else was going to ask it because nobody did because they all had a chance and nobody asked it. That's fair. And, and, but this is also one, I don't think it should start a fight because you're not accusing him of something. He said it. He said it. I know it's actually not that difficult of a question to ask, but yet nobody else would ask it. Nobody, nobody handled it pretty well. Like he could. Absolutely. He could have pulled, pulled a coach speak answer and be like, well, the past is the past, but he kind of, he joked yes. along with you. Well, yeah. I mean, he's had seven months to think up yeah. and another thing to say that he was actually talking about when he said that he had to know it would come up again, mm-hmm. but no, I mean, he, I mean, he didn't he say yes, but he said yes. 
but and 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 he did and then he he answered the question he said uh i have no comment on that at this time i think was what he said it was a little wink and then he paused and then he broke into a big grin and then he picked up his little nameplate and stood up and left and like that was it but it was also like this was the last question it wasn't like he stormed off but i'm just i mean this is this is what i do it's it's fine but I just would like to throw out to the rest of the world, if anybody else wants to ask those questions, feel free, because nobody asks them, nobody ever asks them, and everybody writes them, which is fine. I wrote it too. But it was like a question that had to be asked. It wasn't going to get asked if I didn't ask it. So I'm not mad. I'm happy to do it. But it's not a hobby, man. You get paid for your job. Like, feel free, any of the thousands of other Ohio State people standing there. Who didn't ask it? You're allowed to ask it, but I get it. I'll be the bad guy. It's fine. But I just want people to know, and you guys listen here know, and this is fine. I'll do three minutes of Doug being a pompous jerk. Like when you read it everywhere, it's because of me. Nobody else was going to ask it. So, you know, read it at some other site because you'll read it at 70 other sites and just know everybody else was too chicken to ask it because we all, tweeted, were, too, we all were too busy. to tweet it out. All too busy kissing Jim Harbaugh's butt because they had a great year. They did have a great year. They deserve to talk about football and how good they are. But as you said, Nathan, he said it. I'm not stop making stuff up. You said it. And I, of course, we know it's a reference to Ryan Day, but I wanted to see what he said. And also, frankly, I thought he deserved to be asked about it. You know, it's one of those things that's like, I'm going to, you're going to say, that's the thing with Harbaugh and me. I usually ask him about stuff that he has said. So it's like, you don't get to say stuff about other people within out, without someone saying to you, why did you say that? Because all I'm doing is the same thing you did, which is saying stuff about people. But like nobody wants to hold him. And it's not even being held accountable. It kind of is, but it's just like real life. Let's just have a conversation. So it, it doesn't anger me, but there's a lot of sports writers floating around who don't have the guts to ask anything that has a 5% chance of making somebody mad. So I just think the listeners of this podcast should know that, which they probably already did. But I did think it was a decent answer to your guy's point. Like he was a little snarky about it. He, he didn't get mad. He didn't completely duck it. Like he, he did handle it pretty well, but he also said like the relationship with Ryan day, he was like, uh, it's professional. He said at the Heisman, it was cordial because they were both there with CJ Stroud and Aiden Hutchinson. And then he said, when we face each other, it's competitive. So professional, cordial, competitive, also probably like not true. <laughs> but that also was a decent answer to that. So is there anything else about Michigan that we need to talk about specifically? Nathan, you're going to ask the same type of questions to the Ohio State people on Wednesday. Like, what did that game mean to you right but is there anything else about michigan that we care about go ahead nathan uh you know he when he was at the the main stage he again getting back to asking people about exactly what they've said he was he said between Cade mcnamara and jj mccarthy he said about both of them it's going to be hard to beat him out to be the starting quarterback so then when he got to the podium or got to the, the little sit down the gaggle Somebody asked him about how he said there's a quarterback competition, basically, and that Cade McNamara might not be the starter. And he's like, what do you mean Cade McNamara might not be the starter? What are you talking right. about? And he's like, well, they're like, well, you just said a couple hours ago <laughs> you were standing up there. And like, he's like, no, like Cade McNamara is our starting quarterback. So Cade McNamara is our starting quarterback. And we, I would assume it's still going to look a little bit 
like last year did with JJ yeah. McCarthy in some capacity. Yeah, I think it's just going to be a two quarterback system because then after he said all that, he said, "Well, then there's going to come a part where JJ McCarthy is going to get his opportunity with the ones and whatnot." So they're probably just JJ McCarthy is just not going to have the job outright until 2023 at this point. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And Cade McNamara was pretty good. The one thing I, I mean, Cade McNamara was interesting. He said like he thought there was a gap between Ohio State and Michigan last year, and he kind of like mm-hmm. indicated that that surprised him a little bit, sort of the gap. And again, that wasn't. I, you know, we, Steven, you and I heard that with our ears. I did not mm-hmm. interpret that as like taunting Ohio state or whatever. It was no. almost like an honest assessment of like, as good as Michigan was, the starting quarterback was a little bit surprised how much better they were. And again, there's a lot of stuff that is, and I think Ohio state on Wednesday, I'll get asked about the, the physical questions, right? Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the, I hate the word narrative. That's what a lot of people were talking about coming out of that game, being physical, uh, that Michigan was more physical, and that's why they won. And I do think it felt like Michigan kind of agrees with that. Like that, and they even there were some specific quotes on Tuesday of, you know, we we want to continue to be physical. That's what works mm-hmm. with us for us or whatever. Like that that seems to be true on their end. And I'm sure Ohio State is going to get asked about it on the opposite side on Wednesday. Yeah, McNamara, McNamara said that last year that was their identity. They wanted to be physical. And it, it was specifically talking about at the line of scrimmage is yes. where the gap was physically. And that's going to get taken out of context when you read that and people are just going to think he's talking trash. Well, no, it's just they wanted to try to push teams around last year and run the ball. And then when they played Ohio State, that was to another extreme and they were able to do it maybe better than they even thought they were going to be able to do it. Which was kind of the vibe, even talking to guys like Mozzie Smith, like, the, um, a defensive lineman for them. It how really the only game last year where they kind of struggled was the Michigan State game, and then Kenneth Walker the third man all over them. And yeah. he even he said that it's like any game where we established ourselves as line of scrimmage and we stopped the run, we won. When we didn't do that, Georgia and Michigan State, we lost. It was a very simple thing, but when you put it in that perspective, it's like hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's also true that in the modern football that being fast and throwing the ball really well is a pretty effective way to win too. So it's, this is true. Like, I, I don't, I, I think there's a chance that now that we're in talking and, and asking questions season, that the physical idea around Ohio state will get out of control. And yeah. it's like, Oh yeah, I get it. You know? And it's like, well, yeah, of course, but also uh, throw the ball to Mecca Buka. That's a good plan. You know, have Trayvon Henderson, like get outside and, run 70 yards that's a good plan it's not so michigan did that very effectively but i I don't think nathan that means that's what ohio state needs to do ohio state needs to be better at stopping the run but we're not here for ohio state to try to replicate michigan's winning formula but i bet on wednesday there will be some questions tinged with that you know what i mean do you think that might be the case nathan about like are you guys not physical enough to win in the big 10 or something I think there will definitely be questions about what do you think about this reputation or this this um, criticism that people have, yeah. this personification they now have that you are not physical enough, that Ohio State got out physical in the most important games of last year, which, by the way, kind of did. So it's it, it's 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 you know, it's a tricky thing. It's like it's I don't know that necessarily makes it this program's identity going forward. 
but I think it's something that this specific team probably does have to respond to a little bit. When you're playing Notre Dame, when you're playing Wisconsin, for God's sakes, when you're playing Michigan again, like you you need to match the physical intensity of those games. It didn't happen in, in the two losses that they had last year. Okay. That'll wrap up the Michigan talk. You got to know your enemy, man. I mean, like, I know it's like, I'm people like, why is Ohio State didn't talk today? And we're not going to come on here and talk about Minnesota. So we'll take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk about what Kevin Warren had to say. And if we learned anything from that next on Buckeyes Talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Doug Maurice, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird. I did see my, oh, are we friends? I'll ask him if we're friends. Uh, we're certainly collegial. We're, we know each other. It's a guy I went to college with who was a year behind me um, in school. And now he covers UCLA for the LA Times and he's here. So he's like the West Coast representative. So there was uh, somebody. So like, it's, you know, it's a coming two years away from UCLA and USC being here. I forgot to inform him, Nathan. I mean, I, the perk of being in the Cleveland.com preseason poll uh, for the people at the LA times and the West coast people on, yeah, they're going to be so excited. I mean, like, can you imagine? I, I'm actually thinking like what a gut punch it's going to be next year to know that that poll is going out and you still don't get to vote and you have to wait a whole nother year. It would be like if they moved Christmas back a week when you were yeah. like eight years old, just spontaneously. They were like, no, actually, it's not till January 3rd this year. And you'd be like, what? And they didn't tell you till you know, yeah, sometime Poor in ben. December. Poor yeah. Ben. It's ben Bolch, if you want to follow him now that he covers a Big Ten team. Um, I also will tell this quickly. I tweeted this out the other day. I meant to talk about it on the pod on Monday and I forgot to. But I still can't really walk. I kind of am walking like the Tin Man. I don't know if anyone sees me, but my thighs still hurt because I ran a 5K on Sunday morning. So I am, as we talk right now, 60 hours removed from that 5K. And I still really, my body has not returned to function. But uh, in that 5K, I was finishing up. I had not... I'd been running like a couple months ago and then I went on vacation and then I got sick for a little bit. I was coughing and I just, I didn't run for like six weeks, but when I had signed up for this race, I thought I was going to be in decent shape for it, but I literally had not run in like six to eight weeks. And I just decided, well, I already signed up. I'll go get the free t-shirt and I'll run. So I'm, I'm finishing up this 5k. I just want to try to break 35 minutes. That's my goal. And we're coming down the stretch and I, this guy, this young guy comes up beside me, kind of like in the last 300 meters, this young guy, I think it was like 41. So this youngster, this whippersnapper, he starts like kicking at the end. And I'm like, you want to go? Do you want to go? And it's on. So I start kicking with him and we run probably like 50 yards. And then he drops off and I'm like, yeah, that's right. And I vanquished him. But then his 11-year-old daughter came up beside me and she was gone like a rocket. And I went with her for maybe like 100 yards, but then I was dead and I literally felt like my heart was going to pound out of my chest 
and I didn't want to have a heart attack because then I might not be able to come to Indy. So I had to slow down. And by the time I crossed the finish line, I barely could move and my hands were on my knees, but uh, I got out kicked for 129th place by an 11 year old girl. And I did go back on the site to double check her age. Um, but it was her dad who set me up. So the dad pushed me first and then the, the daughter came and finished me off. Nathan, does it seem reasonable that 60 hours after that, I still can't exactly walk? I would love to make fun of you about things like that, but I've crossed the threshold now. I did something to my heel, like, and I don't even know when it was. It's one of those injuries that you don't know how or why it happened, when it happened. I can't tell you what. All I know is that within a couple days of coming home from the hospital with our son, I had this just like horrible heel thing, and it happens every morning. Like I wake up in the morning and I have to go down to like get a bottle or make coffee or whatever. And I'm like hobbling down the stairs, like clutching for dear life so that I don't go tumbling down the stairs to my death. So um, I would rather have done that running a 5k because I would at least a, it would have been something athletic ish and B I would know when and why it happened, but I have no idea why I'm um almost just hopping around on one foot in the mornings right now. Yeah. That's just baby heel. That happens to everybody. That happens to all new dads. Baby heel is very common. Steven, it's the youth, right? I mean, it's reasonable. Of course I got out kicked by an 11 year old because I'm old. It's reasonable, right? I mean, that's normal. She's probably in like sixth grade. She's almost, she's in middle school. She's fast. I'm sure she's fast for a middle schooler. That sounds like a normal story, right? You guys are so old, man. Yeah, but that's normal. so old. Yes, yeah. it's very normal. You shouldn't yeah. feel bad about that. Yeah. Are you guys old enough yet to where the weather impacts like your mm. pain level? Uh, I can no. feel it coming, but I'm I'm not quite there. Hopefully, I'll right. that won't hit till fifty. I hope. Uh, okay. So Kevin Warren talked. Do you guys want to guess? I just double checked the transcript. Do you want to guess how many times Kevin Warren said the word bold? During his 20 minute, well, it was actually 45 minutes. He talked for like 17 to 20 minutes off the top. And then he took questions for the 25 guesses on how many times he said bold. Seven. Steven. Nine. Oh, very well. It was eight. So it was right in between. So he said, uh, he said bold a lot. And I thought he came up with new names for big 10 divisions because he said, I want to spend a few moments talking about transformation, strength, power, and boldness. And I thought big 10 transformation, big 10 strength, big 10 power, big 10 boldness. If they, if they just split up the 16 team league into four divisions, it's like Ohio state could be in big 10 boldness with like Penn state and Rutgers and Maryland. It's like, Oh, we won the big 10 boldness this year. It's like, wow, USC is really dominating the big 10 transformation. So uh, I don't know if that was the plan or not. I th- it feels like the reception, Nathan, is mixed. I saw some people who wrote it as like Kevin Warren lays out a new vision for the Big Ten because he said bold eight times. And then I think there were some people who were like, nah, I don't know, kind of a word salad. It's fine. What are you going to do? It's a commissioner talk. Uh, you it definitely briefly wrote about it. I'm probably going to try to write about it maybe. But like, what was your overall impression, Nathan, of, of Warren's time at the mic? Yeah, I mean, I wrote a more, I guess, just newsy stance on it, and um, it, it, it's what I expected out of him. I mean, he it, it is very word salady and very lawyered when he speaks at the, um, especially those opening comments. But then even when you try to ask him questions, it, I, I think it doesn't get very, 
candid or insightful. Yes, I mean, he's talking about he wants to be aggressive, but it's also we're not going to expand just to expand, which obviously would be the case, you would hope. Um, that it, it, it's, it, everything is sort of couched in the, well, we're, we're bold and it's this, this great period of change is coming up and we have to be ready to act. And we're always assessing our, uh, options and we're going to just aggressively take this next move, which might be nothing. Yeah. I asked him about revenue sharing with players because that is something that has popped up in the last couple of days that Sean Clifford, the Penn state quarterback sort of like organized a meeting at Penn state with players about, would you be interested in talking to the big 10 about revenue sharing? And it was, I was reading a report about it and it was like, it's kind of a secret meeting, but then the strength coach came in at the end of the secret meeting and kind of ruined it. And it sort of seemed like that they had it set up that they were going to like meet with Kevin Warren here. And they were going to announce something during big 10 media days. And then all of a sudden, the kibosh got put on that and that's not happening. So maybe Kevin Warren and the big 10 were initially receptive to a conversation about that, but then they weren't quite as receptive. But when I asked if the reason they're trying to make all this extra money is because they're anticipating or preparing for a day when they share that revenue directly with players, he didn't say no, Steven, he didn't say no, And a lot of people interpreted that as, hmm, maybe this could be something. And I will say, I think there is some school of thought. And even, well, specifically, there's some school of thought of if the Big Ten's making all this money and they have enough to share some and they start doing that, that's a way to get more players because now the big Ten's going to be maybe directly paying players and other conferences aren't. And that's a way to use your money. And if Kevin Warren cracked the door on that, like that would be a power move in some ways that like, we don't care what anybody else is doing. We're going to start doing it. Did you, it's, it's hard to read into stuff at the podium, Stephen, but like, what did you, mm-hmm. what, what do you think generally of sort of the revenue sharing conversation around the big 10 right now. It felt like he was putting a pin in a lot of things. Yeah. As if it's like, yes, but there's orders and everything has a priority of things we need to meet about. Cause there were a lot of times where he'd go, there's meetings set up for this. And he, he, the only thing he was almost obsessively emphasizing was the fact that like, was the money part of this and the fact that they're in the three largest markets in America and what that means and, you know, what that means going forward. But the money part is like, Hey, a lot of money, a lot of money, a lot of money, which means X, Y, and Z can happen. It just needs to maybe happen in this order and this order. So down the line. Yeah. It wouldn't have been in his best interest to do anything other than that. Cause when you have to figure this stuff out, but then also, as you just pointed out, what if we get to a point where this all gets settled in five, six years from now, and the Big Ten is the only conference that's sharing its TV revenue with its players. You know who else? Forget NIL. You know, forget NIL. Like, well, the other person who said something pretty interesting about revenue sharing today was Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Who mm. was asked about the idea of revenue sharing, and he took it as far as saying, you know, hey, Big Ten Network, they use our players' name, image, and likeness to do their broadcasts. Revenue share with them. Like that's that NIL. And it's like, well, is that NIL? I mean, a lot of this. Um, but you could couch it as such probably, right? I mean. I mean, I guess it's like 
the it would be the conference is not paying the players and the schools are not paying the players, but the conference's TV partner, which exists, the Big Ten Network exists because the Big Ten made it. They're paying the players and, and or or they are. But see, if they're paying the players, like, what do you do? Make a Big Ten collective? Like, how do you distribute it? Like, that would be complicated. But as you said, Harbaugh was kind of interesting about it. And and there are some other logistical, like, okay, if they're going to do it, if the Big Ten Network is going to do it, then what about all their other partners that aren't the Big Ten Network? You know, ESPN and CBS, like, so they get to use the the name image and likeness without paying for it. So if you're trying to couch it that way, it would get complicated. But I do think it's it's clearly not this um, not to be spoken of concept right now at the highest levels mm-hmm. of this conference. It's it's there's clearly some traction here. Uh, it wasn't you know this this the, the meeting that this um, representative of the College Football Players Association had with Warren got leaked by him. I mean he leaked it. I mean he I think I mean or he talked to ESPN about it. And that sort of set this in motion last week and, and, and picked up the conversation. But as you and I were discussing, Doug, last week, it just seems like we are pushing still like all of those things make me still feel like we're pushing towards something more structured um, on behalf of the players than even if there's going to be some kind of restriction, it's going to have to come with some concession to that structure. So we're getting bogged down in NIL. We don't want to fall asleep. We don't want to fall asleep. Mm. I, I will say this, whatever their, all the schools, what their share is of TV revenue right now with the new deal, they're going to announce. And Kevin Warren said, we're going to announce that sooner than later. And I got a little clarity on that, that I was a little bit confused by you're announcing a new TV deal, like a new rights deal. They're negotiating all that right now. And you're going to sign that deal. Now it doesn't kick in right away. It doesn't kick into like next year, but actually after the 23 season, I think is when it kicks. Yep. I wrote it. Yeah. But you're going to announce it. And then it's like, well, what if you then add teams after that? What if you increase the value of your rights after you sign the new rights deal? Does that mean you need to accelerate expansion to get the teams in the door? It's like, oh, well, we're going to add Notre Dame next week. So then that's part of the right. And the answer I got was no, you can negotiate in a way that like leaves open a window in the contract that if you add new teams then that maybe reopens something so that um they're i think they're really accelerating on the rights deal i do think they are not accelerating on expansion but they're not dragging their feet either i think they are very very open to it but they don't have to do both at the same time so the one one of the other things that i thought was interesting from kevin warren was he said we're in a five-year period of transformation And Ryan Day and Gene Smith and Christina Johnson, when they had talked about it last month, sort of said two or three years, like Ryan Day really said like two years of like, this is like a, well, we don't know. That's like specific to NIL. But Kevin Warren said it's like a five-year window of transformation. And I think that's very interesting. And I hope I'm going to write about this, but I hope this is a little bit of a guide for people. And I sent this out to the tech subscribers. We were texting all day, 614-350-3315. This is the five-year window to me. So the five-year window to me kicked off a year ago when Texas and Oklahoma joined the SEC, like while we were at Big Ten Media Days practically. So that's the beginning. So then year one was to now, right? So we're now we're one year in, and UCLA and USC have now announced they're going to join the Big Ten. So then 2023, 
the new Big Ten, it actually is in 2023, the new Big Ten TV deal kicks in in 2023. In 2024, the new ESPN SEC TV deal kicks in. And in 2024, USC and UCLA join the Big Ten. In 2025, Texas and Oklahoma join the SEC. There's a small chance they could go before that. Maybe not small, but at the very latest, it'll be 2025. And then 2026 will be the first year of the new playoff. Because as it stands right now, we have four more years of what we're doing because it was a 12-year playoff contract. We've had eight years of it. So it's 22, 23, 24, 25, unless they change their mind on that, which they, if they really wanted to, but that would be new playoff format. And also Notre Dame's new TV deal would kick in in 2026. So to me, and then 2026, like that offseason, that summer, that's the end of that five-year window. And then with the start of the 2026 season, USC and UCLA and Texas and Oklahoma are all in their new homes. The playoff has a new format. Everybody's TV deals are now in effect, the new things they all signed. I think there's a pretty decent chance we'll have other movement that will have taken place by then. And that's when I think this settles down. That with the 2026 season, college football will kind of know what it is and where we are. But until then... Holy moly, anything could happen, Nathan. Like that, that, you know, he's not marking it down five years, draw a line in the sand, but that helped me because then I tried to started to try to go through stuff, but it's not going to be like this forever because it wasn't like this constantly after Nebraska, right? We had a period of calm, but we're in the, we're in it right now, baby. We're clearly right in it. And you just got to hold on to see how it's going to figure out because all those things do affect each other. Rights deals, the playoff format, realignment, they all are interlinked. And so there's tumult with all of them right now, but then all of them will kind of get settled kind of around the same time. And then we can chill out for a while and just worry about football. Yeah, I find myself today thinking back to where we were a year ago last time where this was very much the Kevin Warren, the 2020 Big Ten media days were like the Kevin Warren make good um, party. You know what I mean? Like he had to show up and like sort of reclaim some esteem. Like he had to 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 gain back some goodwill from people. And there was mixed returns on whether he really did that, because again, it is a very loyally word, word salad that he ends up spewing when he's up there. But looking at how he handled the pandemic, where you had a novice commissioner, and I think more important than that, a novice commissioner and a Big Ten that was not unified. Like People were scared, and there was a lot of conflicting, contrasting opinions from leaders within the Big Ten about how they should best handle that. Now, fast forward to two years later, he, not only does he have his feet under him better, but ain't nobody scared of this money. Like there's a lot of money coming in and you have a very unified big 10 about how they should go forward and get that money. And that in combination right now is where he gets to get up there and talk about being aggressive and being bold and being powerful. He gets to sort of ride the wave. And uh, I, I agree with the kind of the way that you have laid that out. And I'm, I still have this sneaky suspicion that, that Notre Dame is is a is a really key piece of this for the Big Ten, but it's to, that was a question we talked about it on the way here on Monday. Was like, well, how do how are they going to thread the needle of this? Notre Dame's TV deal doesn't end till twenty twenty five. It would make sense for the Big Ten to try to get them. How does that fit with the thing the Big Ten is negotiating right now and has to have finished by next year? The the answer that you got definitely helps with that. 
He also said a lot of this was part of his interview process. So this was always kind of the, I don't know if directly USC and UCLA, but the idea of the expansion was always in the cards. It's just, as Nathan pointed out, things happened within his first two years here that kind of made it impossible to have those conversations at the time because he had to focus first, on first two months. Yeah. So he had to focus on more immediate matters instead of maybe the, a lot of the stuff they talked about when he was interviewing for the job in the first place. He did say when, like before he interviewed, like when he was sort of getting ready to interview, he said he looked at like every university in the country, mm-hmm. sort of like to check if they could make sense in the Big Ten at some point. So he he was saying like, we've been doing work on this for several years. And but then he also did, I think uh, I saw someone say that he said on the Big Ten Network that USC and UCLA called them. And so it was like, mm-hmm. you get prepped, which is whatever that John Wooden quote is perspiration is the thing that on Proper the floor. preparation prevents poor performance no it's like it's something about um luck is like the where opportunity and preparation meet or something like you make kind of you make your own so, luck oh success is where preparation and no now we're just doing terrible now we're just... <laughs> i don't know john wooden said a lot of things and won a lot of basketball so so i do think that was uh important and interesting that they kind of had um all that stuff prepped and and they were ready to go but it was a little bit i mean like when it, when again when you when you the first thing you're saying is like you're describing your own conference you say i want to spend a few minutes talking about transformation strength power boldness and the big 10 conference that was the second sentence he said and the first sentence was good morning so like that is that's a bit of I don't want to I don't even know if I don't think victory lap is the right phrase Nathan because but it's it is a little bit of a stake in the ground and I do think maybe people want that because the SEC is putting stakes in the ground all over the place so the Big Ten made a move that everybody's jealous of and Kevin Warren got up and said yeah I know and and made it clear that. There might be more coming, but we're going to do it on our terms. And I guess as much as it's like commissioner talk, I do think like, you know, you, you do get to brag on on your conference a little bit because there's three conferences that are in a pretty tough spot right now. And there's two that are sitting pretty. And this is one of them, Nathan. Well, there's been this balancing act going on for the last few months. I mean, Gene Smith was kind of talking about it, too, when we talked to him this last time a few weeks ago. But the this it's this these dual concepts of the big 10 wants to be aggressive and will be aggressive says it will be to go out and do the next big thing it needs to do but it wants to put forward this um this 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 vision of its current strength and and the the solid ground that it's already on so I think you can't really have one without the other, though. I think you have to have the solid ground in order to really make the kind of move that they want to make next, because you want to be making that move from strength, not um, a reactionary move, a, a a move that doesn't make sense for the whole league. And everything that they've done, even if you even if you disagreed with what Maryland and Rutgers brought competitively to the conference, it made sense logically, financially. Even if you disagree with reaching all the way to the West Coast and messing up this, the even further messing up the Midwestern tradition, it makes sense financially. Like if you, and the Big Ten has always operated that way. You don't see them 
where uh, they're just grabbing random teams. So um, I, I think you're right that it's I, they're they're going to stay active in this. But if they didn't add anybody else before UCLA and USC joined, I don't know. I guess I wouldn't be shocked. So a couple things, and then uh, I think we've probably reached the limit on this. We want to get back to football a little bit. I want to preview what we think is going to happen with Ohio State. Two things real quick. He said USC and UCLA are coming in with full revenue shares, which was not the case with Nebraska, Maryland, and Rutgers. And I saw somebody tweet, I think like Adam Rittenberg tweeted like, oh, Rutgers, Maryland, and Nebraska might not like that. And then Steve Politi, the columnist in New Jersey, retweeted and said like, might not. So – I do think it's interesting, though, of like, well, Rutgers, like you're not USC and you're not UCLA. That I, I do think it's almost a sign of the strength of the move that the people that they're getting are so good is that you get a full share right away. Rutgers and Maryland have been building up to a full share forever. They had to like take loans out and stuff. And they were, but like their athletic departments were desperate. They had no other options. They were begging to come. And that's not this is so like, however you take that, I, I do think it's a sign of the strength of the move. And the other thing is this, I, I had a conversation with two of the reporters for like half an hour when we got done. Somebody was like, well, that should have been a podcast. So I told them I was going to steal their ideas. And I don't know if I should, I don't want to like out them on the podcast and say, this guy thinks this, if he doesn't want me to say it, but I told them I was going to steal their ideas and say it on the podcast, but then that makes it okay. Like for the future lawsuit. I told them I was going to steal their idea. But one of the points that somebody was making is very interesting. Kevin Warren very specifically said. Oh, the four time zone thing? No. Okay. That's why I'm grateful for BTN and Fox. I'm grateful for these new media partners. I'm grateful for USC and UCLA. So, well, but I I don't think that um, anybody ever thought that the new media rights deal was just going to be with the same people that it was going to be BTN Fox and the ESPN. And that was it. I, I don't really think anybody thinks that they think a streamer is going to be involved. They think maybe another network is going to be involved, but what this person was saying is, and this makes sense to me. What I think watch for this, watch to see if NBC gets a piece of the big 10 media rights, because if NBC has a piece of the big 10 and Notre Dame wants to stay on NBC you start building a way for all of that to really smoothly work together. And if you end up in a world where NBC is maybe showing like what gets a deal for like one big 10 game a week for now. And then when Notre Dame comes in, Notre Dame can kind of keep this person suggested. It's like Notre Dame keeps its home NBC contract and all the rest of their games are kind of up for grabs their road games are up for grabs like everybody else, but it's okay because the big 10 already has a relationship with NBC. It's not weird. And so it becomes maybe NBC shows one or two big 10 games a week, but if Notre Dame's at home, that's definitely one of them. And that seemed very smart to me. So as these, when, and he said it will be announced sooner than later, originally people thought, Memorial Day, and then it seemed like July, but now it seems like the Big Ten is going to announce who its new TV slash streaming deals are with. I think I would take it as a good sign for Notre Dame potentially joining the Big Ten if no, if NBC's in the mix. And I think they want to spread stuff out because one of the other points he made is basically he said the Big Ten voted against the expanded playoff because they wanted more media partners involved because right now ESPN 
ESPN owns every aspect of the playoff. And if they had under this current TV deal had expanded the playoff, ESPN has the whole thing for another four years and they don't want that. And we noted that at the time, like the conferences, like the big 10 and other conferences don't want ESPN running college football. So they don't want to expand until the media partners expand. Well, the media partners aren't going to expand until this four year, four more years is up. So I think that's, I think, I think we're looking for multiple TV slash streaming partners involved and Kevin Warren and the big 10 want that. So keep that in mind for their conference deal. Keep that in mind when they sign a new deal with the playoff, when it expands, but he, he basically said those, he sort of laid out those plans, Nathan, a little bit that I think we all need to be on alert for and that kind of stuff. matters. I'm like, that's fine. Right. I mean, like, Fans, you fan, everybody will get used to it, but that's not like a, I mean, if NBC every Saturday has like a big team, a big 10 game at noon, and then like, and then if Notre Dame's at home, they have a Notre Dame game at 3.30 and that's on NBC. Awesome. That's a great package. And you're still getting big noon on Fox and you're still getting ESPN, ABC night games or whatever. And plus he did mention four time zones. They have a, they're going to have four windows. They're going to have a, a noon 337-10 window now. There's more inventory. There's more windows to sell. Maybe ESPN wants that 1030 Big Ten game. What's on 1030 tonight? Because there's always going to be one of – UCLA or USC is going to be home every week. So it's like, what's the big West Coast night game? It's UCLA-Michigan State. Uh, somebody will pay for that. Like there's just – there's more inventory, which allows more room for more partners, which spreads out the money. You get more money from everybody. I think you get more money from small, you know, if you spread it out, than just everybody, one entity buys everything, but also spreads out the power. And as much as TV networks are running stuff here, the Big Ten is very linked with Fox, obviously. But I think they wouldn't mind spreading out that power a little bit, Nathan. So I think there's some stuff coming that's going to help clarify sort of why the Big Ten is doing some of the things it's doing. And, and the four time zone thing also, the way he said it, um, I, it I just was – putting a pin in it as you said before is kind of like the conspiracy theory thing in the back of my head of like in terms of expansion because the way he talked about it was almost like having a presence in every time zone and they they don't have one in the mountain right now right so that was just something i was like oh or is if if they do expand is there someone is that where you're talking about a colorado or utah or whoever right it's it's having a presence in every time zone but then also it's like you could have a game on ESPN, then a game on NBC, then a game on Fox, then a game on, you know, then whatever the 10 o'clock game is, You then a game on ESPN, or maybe if you're going to go to a streaming service like Peacock, then there's a game on there. There's like, there's a Big Ten, there's like five different places you can watch a Big Ten football game, and you can do it all day. And, and none of them are like goofy, right? I mean, like people have no. to get used to streamers. If they wind up on a streamer, if they're on Apple you know, on Apple or Hulu yeah. or Peacock or somebody, you're, people are going to have to wrap their head around that. But they're but not going to have to happen any, anyway. So it's like, yeah, we all have to get there. I mean, they're not putting Ohio State, Michigan on Hulu, right? So like Correct. all that, it's, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. But yeah. the Big Ten Network was weird when it started. And now the Big Ten Network's normal. Yeah. Um, the other thing also they announced, so James Laurinaitis, like the main analyst on the Big Ten Network games last year. And obviously he's not that anymore because he's at Notre Dame. Joshua Perry, former Ohio State linebacker, and Jake Butt former Michigan tight end who's from Ohio uh, are the two new game analysts on the big 10 network games. So 
Ohio State, Arkansas State, week two is on the Big Ten Network. And I don't know how they're going to divide that up, but I assume, I mean, I assume they'll give that to Joshua Perry. So uh, he seems excited, like it's a good opportunity for him. He's been doing a lot of studio stuff, but you make yourself versatile. You can do dames, you can do studio. He's still going to do studio. So uh, one Ohio State linebacker out, one Ohio State linebacker in, in that that's a really, you know, that's a good role. That's a good role to be that sort of lead analyst on Big Ten Network games. Quick break. We'll come back and set up Ohio State on Wednesday in Indy next. All right. So Ryan Day, CJ Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and Ronnie Hickman are the four people who will represent Ohio State uh, at Big Ten Media Days on Wednesday. I'm also assuming Gene Smith will be here hanging around. Saw some quotes from Gene about stuff. There was um, always, it doesn't make me mad. But and it's not like Gene has to like call us and be like, hey, I just talk to ESPN in case you guys want this quote too. But Pete Thamel had a quote from ESPN, who's great, does his job, had a quote from Gene that apparently the Big Ten ADs at that last meeting discussed a 16 team playoff. And it's and people were saying it feels like maybe there's momentum for a 16 where it sort of had been settled on the 12, but now they now that they didn't do that, it's sort of like back to the drawing board. And it's one of those where, well, it's four more games. And otherwise, there's really no difference. You're just taking the buys away from the top four seeds. And now you're making them play the 13, 14, 15, and 16 seeds. But like, it's not like they're going to lose those games. And that's four more games with Bama and Ohio State and USC that you get. So why wouldn't you do that? So Gene had a quote with Pete Thamel that was like, it was like 16 is is legitimately in play or something like that so we have to tackle gene on wednesday and make sure we talk about that steven like what what do you what's one thing you think we'll find out or we want to ask about or we think other people will ask about when these ohio state folks get in front of the microphone i think cj Stroud's going to get plenty of like NIL questions that are going to make us all walk away first of all i saw nathan do the greatest thing in the world today when an nil question came up he went over there and asked a football question. It was a really good football question. He got a really solid answer. And for some reason, the, the topic of conversation went right back to NIL, and I just saw him, like, take a pivot and walk away immediately from the conversation and go on about his day. So shout out to that. I think with CJ, uh, the interesting thing, at least from my perspective, will be, I mean, Ohio State's quarterbacks have always been famous, but they haven't necessarily been able to be as famous and as busy as CJ's been this offseason, so like pairing all of that while also trying to prepare for a national championship season, might that's more interesting than hey, you got a new car. It's like you're juggling all of this stuff. You're almost acting already like a professional quarterback. So how different has your summer been? How different has your offseason been as you're also trying to prepare for an for a, a, a regular season? So that's the most interesting thing for me from a CJ Stroud perspective. Nathan, but then also like- from a Ryan Day thing, it's just like how is recruiting going? Is this should we be in panic mode about this team right now or not? Nathan, anything you're top of mind that you want to ask about, you think other people will ask about, you think they'll be talking about from a Buckeye perspective? Uh, I, I predict Ryan Day will not say that they we need to be in panic mode about this team right now. <laughs> <laughs> or recruiting-wise, not necessarily this roster right now. Just bold prediction. Um well, listen, like there, there's just there is some like just sort of team maintenance stuff, I guess, that we're going to need to find out about, get some updates on some injuries. I want to find out how Lathan Ransom is doing and if they're expecting him to be in this safety mix this fall. Um, I want to find out just about where they're or else they're maybe seeing some progress from some guys. But, um, you know, 
Ryan Day also has not yet talked about things. You know, there was an interesting tweet today. Um, um, who was it? Was it? Uh, I can't remember which which coach it was, but somebody said that when they found out about maybe it's Scott Frost, he found out about um, the expansion and he called Chip Kelly and he was in New Hampshire with Ryan Day at the day that all of the UCLA USC stuff came out. So, you know, Ryan Day is going to have probably some, some specific, some opinions on this, this West coast thing. And um, maybe he gets to respond to uh, Jim day or Jim Harbaugh's uh, no comment from today. I will say one of the other interesting things, and I, I didn't know how this would necessarily be received, but everybody knows that when, when I went to that breakfast and Ryan day was talking to boosters and he said, it's going to take $13 million in NIL to maintain our Ohio state roster. And that $13 million number was one of the first concrete numbers that people threw out. And, you know, James Franklin soon after that responded and said like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We need to do that too. Jim Harbaugh got asked about that on Tuesday with a $13 million number. And Jim Harbaugh's answer was, I think we at Michigan could double that. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's interesting. Nobody, there has not been, now, this is among like blue bloods talking about this, but it feels like to me, I didn't know if the initial reaction, the over the main reaction to Ryan Day putting $13 million out there would be like, this is crazy. We can't, we can't keep up with this, whatever. And it seems more like all the big time programs are like, yes, at least at a minimum, this is the world. Here we go. Like that Ryan Day really was, he was making a point for his program, but I think he opened like, he started a conversation like on behalf of everybody, Nathan, that this is where we are. And not a lot of people, I think, at least that I've heard, are disputing that or bemoaning that. It's more like, that's a big number. That sounds right. Let's go. Well, the, the contrast between those two answers is very interesting to me because when Franklin was saying it's going to take more, it was almost like he was saying, well, if it takes, if Ohio State needs this much money, mm-hmm. we actually need more money than that. We have to – it's right. going to take more for us because Ohio State probably doesn't have to retain its own talent as much as Penn State might have to try to retain its own talent with NIL leanings. So then when Harbaugh said it the way he said it today, it sounded a little bit like – in some ways it just sounded like a flippant, like weird Harbaugh thing to say, like, well, we'll, we'll just double that. We can, we can go. But then is he also admitting in the same way that Franklin was that they would need to get more money than Ohio State does? Or was he just talking a little bit of trash? I didn't even think it was trash. I thought it was more just like more like just pumping your chest out to just to, to do it. Like, we, we, whatever you do, we do it twice as much. You guys do two a days. We do four days. That sort of thing. But I, but I do think I think if somebody would have said, Jim, Ohio State picked 10 pounds of blueberries from the blueberry bushes right. next to their practice field. What do you think of that? And I, I think he would have said, I think we could pick 20 pounds of blueberries. Like, I think his mm. answer, you could have yeah. said anything. Mm. Ohio state saw four clouds in the sky and his answer would just be, we'll double it. So mm. I do think it was a little more flippant. Um, I am curious to see. So again, just for this is five seconds of inside baseball, people care all the coaches, speak at a podium in front of the whole room and that is aired on the big 10 network that's 15 minutes that's what you guys at home can watch that's sort of like their opening statement and then not general questions but it's more like you know the obvious questions maybe because if you have a really great question that you want to ask you don't ask it there 
because you don't want to give it to TV. You don't want to give it to the world. So all the coaches have those 15 minutes. And then each head coach plus the three or four players they brought, they go to tables off to the side that have folding chairs in front of those tables. And they're also at a microphone, but we go up, we can put their our recorders next to them. They are not filmed for TV and they're at those spots for an hour. And so that's where you get all kinds of questions. And there might be 19 reporters in front of somebody. There might be one. And so that's where that happens. And then also often with the head coaches, they'll do it even a side scrum off of that. That is usually just the beat people for their team where you're gathered around and maybe like Ryan Day comes off the podium. There's a little scrum. And that's where you ask about how's Lathan Ransom doing. That's where you ask about, you know, like some injury updates and some team specific stuff. So those are all the different opportunities, but that 15 minute, thing that's on tv that's sort of like your moment in the sun that like maybe espn will grab that clip for sports center or something right or that the big 10 network showing all that live i'll be curious how much ryan day makes some kind of nil case in a setting you know what i mean because i think he might get asked about that at the podium and i don't know if he'll say if he'll sort of take that opportunity to make another call out to ohio state fans we need you baby or if he'll downplay it, or if he'll give a boilerplate answer, like Nathan, I don't have a sense of, well, because I think he'll have a strategy, knowing he's going to get asked about that, I think he'll have a strategy for what he wants to present from an NIL perspective for Ohio State in this setting. I think there's a fine line to walk here, though. You, it's new, and there's some urgency on, on not falling behind in like this early window so I think you do have to like try to get that communication out to people. But I also think you don't want to look like a whiner and you don't want to look like a you don't want to look desperate probably to the to the guys that you're competing against or competing for against the best other programs in the country. I think it's a fine line for him to walk. And um, I'm, I'm also interested in the, the way he'll talk about it because of the because he was the one who put that number out there. I think he is going to get a lot of questions about it. And I think, um, you know, there's a lot of confidence. If you if people listen to the SEC media days last week, a lot of confidence from Kirby Smart and Nick Saban about uh, this is what our guys are making. We've got the, you know, our guys are making more than anybody else in the country. We're just rolling in it here. And I don't think Ryan Day wants to come in with his pockets pulled inside out uh, like they're empty, you know what I mean? And, and look like he's begging for Ohio state fans to come and start dropping uh, coins in the cup or whatever. Yeah. I, I think he takes the same approach as Kirby smart and Nick Saban. Cause even last year, Nick Saban was taking that approach where it's you know, Bryce Young's got this, that, and the third. I think he's just going to take, I think there's a place for the pleading. I just don't think it's in a public forum where there are cameras and recorders on you. I think that's more like how you got that information in the first place wasn't necessarily a place where, you know, he was yeah. at a press conference. It was just at an event and a media member just happened to be there. So I think these public forums are where you brag while these behind the scene places are mm. where you ask. The, I sent this to the texters too, because mm. people have asked us like, why are we hearing about things other places, not Ohio state? And I'm not making excuses for anybody, but I did have somebody tell me, that there have been some more deals like this big one. They just announced the $550,000 deal for the four players. Like there've been some other ones like big dollar things. And 
they're not always publicizing the amounts. Sometimes it's because there are NDAs in the agreements, mm-hmm. which I think is probably a negotiating issue for the 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 entity itself that's making the endorsement because they want to be able to go negotiate with the next group of people and not have them know the dollar amount. But I think bigger than that, they were this person was saying that there are safety is not the right word, but like but protecting these players from um, you know some of them don't come from the best backgrounds, and now all of a sudden you drop six figure contract six figures of money in these guys laps and people start coming out of the woodwork to and and are problems for them so that's it's that's another one of these like weird nuances in the early days of of name image and likeness money that players are are kind of having to deal with it's like okay well now you now before you were like the broke college student who happened to play football and now you're something that's a little bit closer to a professional athlete. If you go talk to professional athletes, they'll tell you that you have to kind of keep people, all these hangers on and uh, fair weather people at arm's length when the money starts coming in. But also professional athletes have a team of people around them. I don't know how many of these college it's like, they have well, the NIL management people, but like if you're a professional athlete, you've got a manager, you've got an agent, you've got an assistant, a publicist, you've got 30 million people who are a part of, who are, higher to your brand while these guys just have some people who put together some collectives and the the agents that that represent the players are are a version of that but but you're right not as not as um maybe sophisticated as what you're talking about at the pro level the agents they have the agents they have are just more of a a gateway for like professional agents to already get their foot in the door when it's time for them to declare for the nfl draft I do think, but Ryan Day could come up and say in the last three months, players on our team have signed deals worth a combined $6 million. And if we do that, that averages out to $24 million a year. Like NIL is yep. rolling out. You don't have to divulge and, the individual deals, but I'm curious if he'll come up and drop a number. And uh, Brian Schottenstein, who is one of the guys leading the foundation, the, the, that, that collective with Cardell Jones, he told me, I asked about that $13 million number, and he said, well, when we started, we figured it would be uh, above 10 million was what they would have to come up with. And so that the 13 million was not like an outlandish number to the people who are actually boots on the ground doing this right now. No. Again, in the end, the $13 million number was not outlandish to anybody. Mm-hmm. Like, I, nobody has said it's outlandish. It's like, right. that's the going rate. All right. It's enough NIL. When we come, I don't know, we come back, we're done. There's no coming back. We'll be back Wednesday night. We're getting this up to you late Tuesday night. We'll do it again Wednesday night. It's going to be a little more complicated because we'll check out of our hotels Wednesday morning. We go over, we do Ohio State all day. We're going to have to go find spots in Lucas Oil Stadium to hide, to do the podcast. We're not going to be on our hotel rooms because we're not going to give, make the company pay another hotel night. What are you doing? Driving home. But we'll get that to you as fast as we can Wednesday night. And then we'll get back on kind of like a normal schedule. Also be on alert Wednesday. What time, Stephen? Caleb Downs, what time is he announcing on Wednesday? He is at 1230. So in between that window for when we get, I think, day at the podium podium and when we actually get them for real. So you can read cleveland.com slash OSU for coverage of that. Certainly Stephen will be firing off texts about it when it happens. We probably won't dig in hard on whatever happens with Caleb Downs because Wednesday we're mostly going to talk about what Ryan Day and CJ Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigman, Ronnie Hickman said, but we definitely will talk about recruiting and Caleb Downs on another podcast this week. If we don't get to it on Wednesday, that's it. We're going to go to dinner. Thanks to you guys for listening. For Stephen, for Nathan, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.